Uh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's so great to be together today. As Leo mentioned, I just returned from a two-week trip to Israel, to the Holy Land. We had 25 from our church that were there, and uh, it was incredible. I mean, just to walk where Jesus walked, to see the Bible come to life. And, and I hope and pray all of you experience it someday and be able to take the opportunity to go. And uh, wow, I mean, just seeing uh, the archaeology or the, you know, historical geography, but even more just experiencing what God's doing in our hearts and our lives. And we are so, so blessed. So this morning we're starting a brand new series, and I'm excited about this series and everything else. But I want to stop and do something real quick before we kind of jump into the series, and that's, that's this. Um, many of you know, in two days, we have a, a big election here in our country, and uh, we've been hearing about it for the last year or so, I think every moment of the day. And honestly, there's just probably a lot of angst, a lot of uh, worry and fear, uh, maybe some excitement, but, but I want to do something. I want to just put a scripture up on the screen, and this is from Second Chronicles chapter 7, and it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I think that's the call for all of us, right? As God's people today that, that we pray. We pray. I want to ask you to do three things on, on Tuesday. I want to ask you, number one, to pray. Uh, pray that God would heal our land. That God would bring his grace. That there wouldn't be division and uh, divisiveness. as Whatever candidate you support. But that we would pray for our nation during that time. We're also commanded from Scripture to pray for our leaders so that we would do that. Uh, second thing I want to ask you to do is to vote, right? I mean, there's people who've laid down their life to give us this right, so get out and let's, let's vote. Uh, and the third thing is just the trust. You know, there's a lot of people in this country that are putting their faith in a man or in a woman, and yet we know that our faith and our trust is in a sovereign God. And God's in control. And so that we could take a deep breath and pray knowing that we serve a God who is bigger than the United States, who's bigger than all of us. He is sovereign over all. And so as a people, let's humble ourselves and let's just this morning pray. So let's take a moment to do that. Father God, we come before you. Lord, we are so blessed to live where we live. Um, Father, I thank you for those who've gone before us. I thank you for our founding fathers. I thank you, Father... Lord Jesus, for Christians who've gone before us. And Father, right now we pray for our nation. And we pray, God, for healing. God, your word says that you will hear from heaven and heal our land. And we pray that you would do that. That you would bring your spirit. Father, we pray for revival. Lord, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would break out among us. That so many people, God, who are, who are trusting in a man or a woman. And Father, we would trust in you. And that people would see you through all of this. So Lord, as your disciples today, God, we humble ourselves before you and we recognize that ultimately you're in control. I pray that you would uh, take away the worry and the anxiety and the fear that, that so many feel today and the uncertainty, Father, that, that just goes with this election. And I pray, God, that you would come and move among us and move in our country. Lord, we need you. And so come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray for our land. Amen, amen, amen. So let's be praying on Tuesday as a, people, as a people of God. Well, this morning we're jumping into this brand new series, and I'm excited about this. This is our holiday series, right? So we're looking at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's called Share the Gift. And that's what we're called to do. Now, growing up, uh, we traveled for Thanksgiving for Christmas. How many of you traveled? Did you travel much? Anybody? Awesome, yeah. So I remember being my sister's 18 months older, 
I mean, yeah, younger than me. And so my parents were up front. We're in the back seat. And this is how the kind of routine went. We would get in the car, and we would be like five minutes along, and we're like, he's touching me, she's touching me, you get on your side, you get on your side, you know, mom, tell him to stop, you know. So then the imaginary line would come out. Anybody else have an imaginary line? You can't cross this line. She's crossing the line. And, and so this is the whole routine. Now I'm a parent, uh, that's the routine we deal with too, you know. It's like, we stop touching them. And then we would get there, and we would get to, you know, my grandmother's house, or we would get to my aunt and uncle's, or we would go to my my dad's family in Yazoo City, Mississippi, which was a long way away from San Antonio, Texas. But we would get there, and then when we were there, we were kind of like looking at the Christmas presents, right? Seeing which is the biggest one, if it had our name on it. And, and now I look back at, at, at having kids, and I'm going, oh, I missed some of that, you know? I, I got wrapped up in, in all this, you know, selfishness and this side. I got wrapped up in all the, the gifts, and I, and I kind of missed the holidays, and now that my grandparents are in heaven, and I, I wish that I had that time back. And I wish that I would have understood the gift that I've been given of this time of year, of what is happening. Because what could so easily happen to us, and what happened to me as a kid, is many times you wake up on December 26, 27, 28, and you kind of go, whoa, what happened to the holidays? I mean, they just flew by, right? I don't know what happened to Thanksgiving or Christmas, but it, it's gone, 2016, it's over And so if you and I, even on the front end of this, can start to say, God, open my heart and let me understand the gift I've been given in you. And let me understand the gift that I have in the people around me. And God, let me share that. Let me make the most of that. Because this could be a special time. And that's what I pray. I pray these are the best holidays ever for you. I really do. I pray that you and I would engage in a way with the Lord, that we would engage in family and friends, and we would just make the most of it. But I want to tell you, it won't happen if we're reactive. It won't happen if we don't have a plan kind of going into it. If we kind of get to the end and look back, we will miss it. And so for you and I to go, oh, God, you're in control. Let me, let me embrace what you have for me. Let me understand the depth of your love and of your grace. When we were in Israel, uh, one of the first things we did was we flew into Tel Aviv. We went down to the wilderness. And so we walked along with the children of Israel in the wilderness as they came up and then ultimately went around the Dead Sea and came into the Jordan River into the Promised Land. But, you know, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of this land of bondage and slavery. And God took them and, and delivered them into the Promised Land. And, and we see that in, in the early part of, of the book of Exodus, and we see God delivering his people. But you know what? It took the entire Old Testament for God to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. He could get them out of Egypt, but it took a whole Old Testament to get Egypt out of them. And what can happen to us is, boy, we got the world in us, and we've been delivered by God's grace from, from being dead in our sins and our transgression, and God has made us alive. But, boy, we are a work in progress, Right? I mean, salvation happens in an instant, but sanctification takes a lifetime. And for us, in this lifetime, that we grow to look more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. That we become passionate followers of Christ. And then when people look at our lives, they say, wow, there has been a change and a transformation in them. They are hungry for the Lord. And that's my hope and my prayer as we engage in this brand new series today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, uh, New Testament, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul writing these letters. Now we know the Apostle Paul wrote four letters to the church in Corinth. 
We only have two, but he wrote four because he really loved this church. And this church was growing and thriving. And they were doing some great things for the Lord. But he had some, some things that he wrote them that weren't going real well in the church. And so he said, guys, I want you to understand this. You know, you still have the world in you. You're, you're still going back to that, that culture of your old nature. You are a new creation in Christ. You should live differently. Now what's happening, let me set up chapter 8. After Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, the, the Jerusalem was astir. And, and then Pentecost happened. Then Peter stood up on the steps at the southern wall of the temple, and he said, guys, this Jesus whom you crucified is alive, and he wants a relationship with you. And 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ on that day at Pentecost. And the early church exploded. I mean, God's doing miracles. There's filled with awe and wonder. If you go to Acts chapter 2, you can read about it. It was awesome. But God in his sovereignty also knew the timing was perfect because Rome was in charge of the world at this time. And there were Roman roads built everywhere. And so the gospel spread. And churches start popping up over here in Macedonia and over here in Ephesus and over here in Corinth. And these churches around the different parts of the Roman Empire are thriving and people are coming to know Christ and coming to know Christ. But while that's going on, the church back in Jerusalem begins to face persecution. Emperor Nero comes to the throne, and there's a fire that happens there in Jerusalem, and he starts to blame the Christians. And so Christians are persecuted. Christians are taken to the gladiatorial arenas and thrown in, literally to the lions. Christians are used as human torches. I mean, it was bad. So things are really bad in Jerusalem, but things are thriving out here in these other places. And so Paul is looking at these other churches and goes, guys, we need to help out. We've been blessed, not just for us. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Let's help out. Let's take an offering. Let's go back and help the church in Jerusalem. So pick up here, chapter 8, verse 1. He says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Paul goes, hey, we went to these churches over here in Macedonia, and they said, yes, we want to share. We want to help. We want to do whatever we can. And so he's writing to the church in Corinth and saying, hey, guys, look at that example. I want to ask you, what examples do you look, like, look for in your life? Now, who are your role models? Who are your heroes? See, what can happen so easily is our role models become people of the world or of the culture. We spend time going to different conferences and learn how to make more and increase our wealth and our capacity. And, and, and you know what? At some point, we got to turn and look and say, hey, who are those role models that are helping me become more like Jesus? <laughs> who are the role models in your life that are generous? Maybe you had a grandparent, maybe they were just generous. Maybe, maybe you have a friend, and you're like, man, they're just generous. Maybe you have somebody else you know, man, they're just, they're just always, they're so excited about the Lord, and they're so just in love with Him, and you're like, oh, I love that, I love that. Who is that for you? And Paul's going, hey, church in Corinth, look at the churches over here. Look at what God is doing there. You have that same joy. You have that same passion. You see, the, the fact is this. The Bible is not just a bunch of made-up stories. 
The Bible's not just some myths. I mean, these are real people. These are real churches. These are real things that are happening. And for two weeks, we've been on archaeological digs. We've been looking at all this historical geography. We've been watching the Bible literally come to life. These are real people. There's outside evidence. There's all this external evidence to support what God has done through his word. And, and so they're looking at the churches going, wow. Those churches in Macedonia, man, they've been through some hard things. And yet, they're generous. <laughs> they're generous. Many times our, our, our call to generosity, our call to praise, our call to thanks, it's not always when we just have our, an affluence of stuff, right? It's many times in the hard times. But in the hard times, what happens? We trust. And we give. And we grow. And we love. And it changes us. So he says, hey, look at, look at these. Look at these churches. Look at what they're doing. Look at the example. Who are the examples for you? I mean, think about that. Who are those examples for you? I have some people in my life, and, and man, they are generous, and I love it. I love being around them because there's a smile on their face. There's a joy in their heart, and some of them are going through some tough stuff. And I know it's only Jesus. I know it's only God working in their hearts and their lives. He says, hey, they gave entirely on their own, and they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. They said, guys, we want to be a part of that. We want to help out. We want to further God's kingdom. Sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected. Hey, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. You see, for us to, to share the gift, it begins with us giving ourselves first to the Lord. And many of us have done that, right? When God draws us to himself, we place our faith and our trust in him. If you haven't done that, it's the greatest commitment you'll ever make in your life. God wants to do so much in your life. But it doesn't stop there. It's a daily dying to yourself. It's a daily following Christ. And the journey only gets deeper and richer and sweeter as you go on. And so when you and I give ourselves first to the Lord, you know what that means? That means when we wake up in the morning, we go, okay, God, it's not about me today. I know it's usually about me, right? I don't want them on my side. I don't want to share. I don't, but, but God, today, it's, it's, it's not about me. Today, it's about you. And I'm simply your servant. And so, Father, whatever you have planned today, God, I'm yours. Use me in my home. Use me in my workplace. Use me in my neighborhood. Use me for your glory. And those things that I see as interruptions, those things that I see as inconveniences, God, no, 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 no. God, it's all you. Those are divine appointments. So, Father, let me give my life to you first today, this day, this opportunity. And he says, hey, look at what happens. That's when God begins to move in your heart. That's when God changes you. So often we, we set our minds and our hearts on our circumstances. And all we look at and what fills us is fear and worry and anxiety. But when we set our minds and our hearts on God, what fills us is joy. Right? He said, look at these Macedonian churches. Out of their overflowing joy, they give. They give out of overflowing joy. Oh, that we'd be people like that. We'd be people who just wake up and go, okay, God, I don't know what, what you have for me today, but I'm in. Here we go. Use me, God. I love that. I just love these churches. He's saying, hey, come on, jump in and be a part of that. So we urged, right? We urged Titus since he had earlier made a, a beginning to bring to, also to completion 
this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He goes, guys, you're doing a great job. There's some things that are really going well here in the church. Your faith, you're growing in your faith, you're growing in your speech, the way you talk to your spouse, the way you talk to your friends, you're, you're progressing in your knowledge, you're growing deeper in the word, you, you're, man, in complete earnestness, you're loving people more. Hey, but also excel in this grace of giving. He said, you become a generous person. Now, growing up, I'm thankful my parents taught me about this thing called tithing, right? As he's giving your first 10% back to God. It was something God instituted early on because he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. But he knew, he knew they were still going to have those same practices. It was going to be narcissistic. It was going to be worshiping a God of pleasure. And, and so he says, hey, first day of the week, Shabbat, you want to set your mind on me on that Sabbath? You want to give me praise and glory? You want to be a thankful person? But also, when you take the first fruit of your harvest, you give the first part back to me. And why did God do that? Was God kind of low on grain back then? You know, did God need some help out? No. God knew our hearts. So he said the first 10% goes back to me. You save the next 10%. You live on 80%. Trust me in this, God said. And it's so simple. And yet it's such a challenge, right? Because we, we, we worry and we think, well, God, I can't do that because really my faith is in income. My faith is in this grain. My faith is in finances. And God's going, no, your faith should be in me. Trust me. A couple of weeks ago, this lady in our church, she came up and she goes, you know, I've been coming to church for a while, Jeff, and I love it. And it's so exciting. She said, but I've heard you talk about this thing that God says, you know, give back to him and 10%. And she goes, but I've been scared. Honestly, I've just been scared. She goes, but I went home after service a few weeks ago and I, and I just looked at it and I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And she goes, I, I wrote out a check to the Lord and it, you know, it, was, it was for several hundred bucks and I just, you know, it was like what my week's salary was and I, and I gave it. And she goes, you're never going to believe this. The next day I get a rebate check in the mail for the exact same amount. She goes, I had no idea what was coming. It was the same amount. She goes, isn't that weird? I go, well, no, it's God. You know, I just don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But you can't outgive God. I'm just telling you, you can't. We could try, but you can't. And that doesn't happen that way every time. But I want to tell you, when you start to look back on your life, you go, wow. God, you are faithful. God, you are good. God, my faith is in you. My trust is in you. And so the Apostle Paul's writing and going, church in Corinth, get this. Don't turn in on yourself. You share. Now, there's a difference between tithes and offerings. Tithes, that's basic, right? It's Christianity 101. You, you trust God. But there's times when God will call you to give over and above. And we're benefits of that, many of us. You know, people who've gone before us, who've, who've given to, to children's areas, or people as our parents, or our friends, people who've invested in us. But have you ever thought, now it's our turn? <laughs> grandparents, parents, but now it's us. And for us to look around and see needs, for us to look around and see people and say, okay, this is my turn. This is my time. And Paul says, excel in the grace of giving. You know, don't just do it a little bit and go, okay, well, that's enough. It, what statistically tells you is the more money you make, the less you give. That's what statistics would say. 
But for you and I, that we learn to excel, we learn to share, we learn to praise, we learn to worship, and we excel in this area of giving. He says, I'm not commanding you, right? He says, but, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul goes, I just want to see if you're really into this. You know how you can test the sincerity of something? It's where you give your time, where you give your resources, where you give your energy, your passion. There's a lot of people who are invested in either one of our candidates, right? There's a lot of people who are invested in college football. Yeah. I got the jerseys and everything to prove it. And, and I love college football, I got to tell you. But if people were to look at your life or look at my life, would they say, wow, man, they love the Lord. <laughs> I mean, look at that. These people love the Lord. And then the example he uses, verse 9, he uses Jesus. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He said, look at Jesus. Jesus is in the throne room of heaven. He's being worshipped, and he leaves it all to come down to the earth. He gives it all for you. He gives it all for you. Wow, praise be to God. So he says, here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Now, last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. You see, a lot of times, right, we... We don't give because we think, man, I don't know, it's really going to make a difference. You know, I'm not Warren Buffett, and I'm not Bill Gates. I mean, I, I can't really make a difference in somebody else's life. I can't really make a difference at church. I can't really make a difference for the kingdom of God. It's just not that much. But when you say that, or when I say that, when I think that in my mind, you know what I'm saying? It's really this gift that's going to make the difference. It's not God. And instead of trusting like the fish and loaves and say, I'm just going to put it in the hands of God. And God, you take and use that. The fact is this. You are the answer to somebody's prayer request. You know, many times we pray, we ask God for this. You are the one. See, in God's economy, God uses his people as the hands of Peter Christ. And so when you and I bless somebody, when you and I look for opportunities to meet needs, when you are then becoming an answer to somebody's prayer request, And every day, you just go, here you go, God. Use me. It may not be a lot. It may not be much. But, but God, I want to set my mind on you. You know, one of my heroes is, is my wife. I love my wife. She's amazing. And, and we are so different. I'm the extrovert. I don't know if you know that. I'm just kind of a little hint, but I'm just going to give it away right now. But I am. I'm like, hey, the more the merrier. Come on, let's have a party. You know, and she's the introvert, right? And she's like, okay, we need some time alone. We need to get away. But my wife, man, she loves Jesus. And already, a couple weeks ago, she was like, all right, Jeff, what are we going to do? The holidays are upcoming, and, and who do we need to bless? And what do we need to do? And how do we need to give? And, and, and she was already, and I'm like, wow. And she's like, think about this. We need to talk about this. We need to talk with our girls. We need to say, hey, we need to be a part of something and not just let it sweep us away. I was like, thank you. Thank you. For helping me, because I can get caught up in it. It's a busy time of year. 
And I pray for all of us, man, that we would think about that in our own lives. And that's what Paul's telling the church there. And that's what I pray for us. He says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. So he's not saying equal gifts, right? He's saying equal sacrifice. He's saying not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. He's saying look around and make a difference. And when you and I begin to bless others, when you and I begin to engage for the glory of God, people's lives are impacted. Can you think back to times in your life when maybe you were walking through a dark time? Or maybe you were really just in the middle of a struggle. And somebody came to you. Maybe it was a meal. Or maybe it was an email. Or maybe they just texted you some scripture and boy, it was at the right time, at the right moment. And you remember it. You remember it. I remember when my, my dad passed away in January and so many people, I mean, so many of you, I mean, sent scripture passages or showed up at the memorial service and you were present. And it meant so much. And for us, life can get busy, right? And God's saying, be present because I want to make a difference in the lives of others through you. I just want to love people. I want people to know my grace and my mercy through you. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. Not only are other people blessed, but you're blessed. When, when you give, when you serve, when you pray, when you love, you're changed. And it's a little bit of the world going out of you and more of Jesus coming into you. And you are changed. And you are transformed. And your life looks more and more like Christ. And Proverbs tells us a, a generous man is a blessing to others, but he himself is also blessed. And I pray that for your life, and I pray that for my life. I pray that God would use us for his glory. And that's what Paul is saying here. And he says, hey, I thank God. He put it in the heart of Titus, the, the same concern I have for you. See, it's, it's contagious. When you're living for Jesus, when you're excited about Jesus, when you're giving, when you're serving, it's contagious. And now Titus, man, this guy, he's passionate about Jesus. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much Enthusiasm. I love that word enthusiasm. It's in Greek, in theos, in God. When you're in God, there's enthusiasm that comes. And, and on his own initiative, he's doing a mission trip, right? He's going to serve. He's going to give back. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel, the good news. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. And they were so careful to say, we want to bring glory to God, we want to be discerning, we want to do it right, we want to do it well. You know, the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that with all my heart. The local church is the hope of the world. 
And when you and I begin to invest, lives are changed. He says, in addition, we are sending with them our brother, who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker. Man, that's what I feel like so many of you. Just we're partners, we're in this thing. Fellow workers, we're together among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. He says, hey, live it out so that people can see it. Live it out so that people will know. Do you know the persecution that the church was facing? I mean, it was intense back then. And in the second and third centuries, I mean, it, it got really bad. But also in the second and third centuries, there were two plagues, major plagues that hit the Roman Empire. And, and people in Rome, I mean, pagans were taking their own family members and putting them out in the street because they didn't want to get sick. And Christians are coming along and scooping them up and taking them to their house. And nursing them back to health, or many Christians even died. But because of their giving, because of their grace, because of their love, because of their service, the Roman Empire was transformed from the inside. And 300 years after Jesus, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome. And Christianity becomes the, the religion of the kingdom. Because of ordinary people who just say, God, here I am, use me. You know, today, we're, there's a lot going on, right? And I think one day people will look back and say, hey, what did the church do about orphans in the world? What did the church do about sex slave trade? What did the church do about refugees? And, and guys, this is our time. This is our opportunity. And God calls us to be generous. God calls us as a church today to make a difference. Why? Because of what Christ has done in our hearts. Because of the gift that we've been given. He says, now you share that. When we were in Israel, we had the opportunity to go to um, the garden tomb. Uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is in Jerusalem, and it's built over the spot where many people believe Jesus was crucified and then, and then buried. But there's, it's like, it's pandemonium. There's people there, it's packed out. I mean, so many people from all over. But just down the way a little bit, there's a tomb that's in a garden. And we went there, and the, the stone had been rolled away, and we looked inside, and, and here's what we saw when we looked inside. It's empty. Jesus isn't there. You know why? Because he is alive. He is alive. I mean, you can go to the tomb of, of many major world religion leaders, and, and their, their bodies are decaying in that tomb, but Jesus is alive. And Jesus wants to work in you and through you, redeeming and restoring, bringing you out of slavery and into a land of freedom and grace. And God wants to use you and me and his church in our day and our time for his glory because Jesus is alive. And we've received the greatest gift of all, he says it's not just for you. You have been blessed to be a blessing, church. When we were in Israel, we were at the Sea of Galilee, and we had 11 people on our team who were baptized in the Sea of Galilee, which is just a wide part of the Jordan River. And watching people go under the water, dying to the old way of life, and being raised to walk a new life. I mean, it's a celebration. 
And God has been changing lives for 2,000 years. God is bringing hope and redemption and salvation. And you and I are part of his story. And it's all about him. You know, I believe that. I believe the Bible, you know, a lot of times we look at it and say, it's our instruction manual for life, and, and it's my playbook, and it is, all those things. But it really, it reveals the heart of God. And what is God's heart? God's heart is to love. God's heart is to give. And we are most like God when we do that. So church, as we enter into the holidays, as we have the opportunity, may we be people who share. May we be intentional this year to offer grace in our marriage, in our homes, with our kids, with our neighbors, with our extended family. May we not miss those holy moments. May we be people who are generous in our workplaces, in our country. Our nation needs the grace of God today. I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't. Maybe today there's a lot of worry, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety in you and in your heart and your life. You know, God just brought you here today for a reason. To say, I love you. And God wants to say, I'm in control. Trust me. So today, would you give your heart and your life to him first? Maybe it's a first time commitment for you. But Jesus has been drawing you to himself for so long. And today, you know what? That's it. I'm stepping over the line. Maybe, maybe for you, you've been a believer for a long time. But honestly, you go, I think my life looks more like the world than it does like Jesus. So God, would you sanctify me? Would you change me? I can look around at all the problems, but God, start with me. And God, today I just say thank you for the gift you've given me. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just, just for a moment. Just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what challenges you're facing today. But I know our God is greater. And I know our God is here. And I know our God cares. And he loves. And he redeems. And he restores. So, Father, thank you. Oh, God, thank you. God, the antidote to the world is thanks and it's giving. And so, Father, this morning, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, that we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And, Father, I pray with all in me, Father, that we would be people who radiate to a world we radiate love. We radiate grace. We radiate with an overflowing joy because of what Christ has done for us. Change us, O oh Lord, from the inside out. Mold us and shape us and use us, God, as the hands and feet of Christ. Let us excel, God, in this grace of giving, giving praise, giving worship, and giving our lives to you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray and we worship.